What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. Today, we are going to talk about the Sonora Aero Club, which was a secret society active in Sonora, California in the mid-late 1800s. And according to the Library of Congress and many newspaper clippings from this time, Somehow, these smart motherfuckers were able to make flying vehicles using an ancient formula for anti-gravity lifting gas. And this little anti-gravity machine was completely unknown until the club's official history books were found in the 1960s. We are also going to talk about some censorship bullshit going on still (laughs) I mean, it never fucking stopped from Kabobo. It's actually just been getting worse since, what, like 2016? We are also going to talk about a flood that happened in 1952. And recent unearthed documents suggest there was an experiment going on with, quote, rainmakers that basically triggered this flood and killed 35 people in the Devon disaster. But yeah, clouds, seeding, chemtrails, weather manipulation, it's all a crazy conspiracy theory. I'm also going to tell you about a British hospital that after an inquiry was ordered, it was found that a worker there had sex with more than 100 corpses, like dead people, the sick fuck fucked dead people. So it's not like just a Brit thing. I know that shit has happened here too, but it's usually like morgues or funeral homes, that kind of situation. So we're going to talk about the British one. I also have an update in the Seth Rich case, which we'll talk about right now. So if you don't remember who Seth Rich is, he was the one that worked for the Democratic National Convention and leaked all of their emails. He actually kind of started the whole Pizzagate theorizing, quote unquote, conspiracy bullshit. Um, And then he was just randomly killed in a robbery where they didn't take his wallet. The only thing that was taken was a thumb drive that had a lot of the fucking information that he had downloaded from the DNC. So check this out. A judge has ordered the FBI to disclose information relating to the murdered Democratic staffer Seth Rich. And that is including data from his personal and work laptops, as well as a DVD and tape drive. The ruling is a part of an ongoing freedom of information battle between the FBI and an attorney representing the plaintiff who sought information on Rich's potential involvement in the DNC email leak. Now, think John Podesta, think fucking Pizzagate. This all originated with these documents that were leaked to WikiLeaks. Now, if you remember, the FBI had initially claimed they couldn't locate the relevant files But as we all know, the FBI is a bunch of fucking weasels and liars. It was actually revealed they had over 20,000 pages of potentially relevant material, including some directly related to Rich. So this was all ordered by Texas Judge Amos L. Mazant, and he actually put a timeline Quote, a timeline for the disclosure of information on Seth Rich's personal laptop, Seth Rich's work laptop, the DVD and tape drive within 14 days following the issuance of this memorandum of opinion and order. So basically now the Fed boys are required to produce a Vaughn index addressing the information it possesses on the compact disc containing images of Rich's personal laptop. So that'll be interesting to see what these little Fed boy bitches have been hiding this whole time. Because that whole leak with the DNC shit was like a fucking bomb going off. And to this day, Pizzagate has not been disproved. 
Shocking, I know. And since we're talking about cool shit going down in Texas, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is suing Pfizer for misrepresenting COVID-19 vaccine efficacy and conspiring to censor public discourse. So that's definitely a step in the right direction. Too bad we can't charge them all with war crimes, but at least someone other than the Florida Attorney General is going after these fucking criminals. Ken Paxton put out a press release and it states Pfizer engaged in false, deceptive, and misleading acts and practices by making unsupported claims regarding the company's COVID-19 vaccine in violation of the Texas Deceptive Trade Practices Act. This will also be fun to see what happens. I mean, I'm sure none of those fucking CEOs or even the researchers, no one's ever going to be really held accountable. They might get sued for a couple billion dollars. But I mean, come on, taxpayers fucking gave these twats the money to come up with this vaccine. And then somehow Pfizer turns around and then sells it back to the fucking people that are not awake. I don't even know that happens. I mean, I'm assuming it's clown world fucking bullshit as per usual. But that's what's up, Texas. Keep up the good fucking work. And I will also keep you guys updated on any information I see coming out about this. Moving right along. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but a whistleblower has revealed U.S. and U.K. military contractors plan for global censorship. I mean, that shit is definitely already happening. Just check out what the whistleblower has to say. According to Michael Schellenberger, who, if uh, that kind of sounds familiar, that was the Twitter leak guy, or one of them, I should say. He's saying that many people insist the governments aren't involved in censorship, but they are. And now a whistleblower has come forward with an explosive new trove of documents rivaling or exceeding the Twitter files and Facebook files in scales and importance. So there is this group called Public, and Schellenberger is just one of the three investigators from that group who have documented the rise of censorship industrial complex. And they're stating this is a network of over 100 government agencies and non-governmental organizations and have reported on the recently published documents from these whistleblowers, which describe the activities of a group called the Cyber Threat Intelligence League or the CTI. According to Schellenberger, the activities are everything from the genesis of modern digital censorship program to the role of the military and intelligence agencies, partnerships with civil society organizations, and commercial media. Oh, and let's not forget the use of fucking bot accounts or paid shills. And you can find all this information on Public's Substack. One of these documents explains that generally overseas type censorship is done by the CIA, the NSA, and the Department of Defense. But now these organizations have changed their censorship efforts to target Americans. And they're doing this by using private partners because the government doesn't have legal authority. The whistleblower alleges that a leader of the CTI League, a former British intelligence analyst, was in the room at the Obama White House in 2017 when she received the instructions to create a counter disinformation project to stop a repeat of 2016. As most of us know, the U.S. Department of the Homeland Security, Cybersecurity and Information Security Agency, CISA, has been at the center of the censorship move for fucking years with the National Science Foundation financing the development of censorship and disinformation tools and other federal government agencies 
playing a supportive role. Shocking, I know. Who totally could have seen this coming? Totally out of left field and shit. A lot of the information they are talking about in this substack isn't exactly new because I remember telling you guys about this shit back in the fucking 2020 and 2021. Emails from the CISA's non-governmental organization and social media partners show that the CISA created the Election Integrity Partnership in 2020, which involved the Stanford Internet Observatory and other U.S. government contractors. The Election Integrity Partnership and its successor, the Virality Project, urged Twitter, Facebook, and other platforms to censor social media posts by ordinary citizens and elected officials alike. Despite the overwhelming evidence of government-sponsored censorship, it's yet to be determined where the idea for such mass censorship came from. Um, I don't know, maybe these fucking rotten, crooked fucks in power? I mean, God forbid people just be able to say what the fuck they want to say. Apparently, public got a huge trove of new documents, including strategy documents, training videos, presentations, and internal messages that basically reveal in 2019 the U.S. and U.K. military and intelligence contractors led by the former U.K. defense researcher Sarah Jane Terp developed this sweeping censorship framework. But I'm, I'm pretty sure, you can fucking bet your ass on it, actually, that this whole fucking game of UK-US fucking intelligence agencies getting together to come up with some sort of framework to censor just regular people, and like I was saying earlier, elected officials had to have come about way fucking earlier because we're seeing this shit actually implemented then. So you know if these dumb motherfuckers are actually implementing it in 2018, They've been working on a plan for at least a few years. These documents in the latest leak are basically showing the Cyber Threat Intelligence League began tracking and reporting disfavored content on social media, such as anti-lockdown narratives like, quote, all jobs are essential, and, quote, we won't stay home, and open America now. The CTIL created a law enforcement channel for reporting content as part of these efforts. The organization also did research on individuals posting anti-lockdown hashtags like Free California and kept a spreadsheet with details from their Twitter bios. The group also discussed requesting, quote, takedowns and reporting website domains to registrars. This shit has been going on. Everyone thought we were crazy when we first saw the crazy censorship that was happening on Instagram, that was happening on Twitter, Facebook, all those fucking piece of shit social media spots. And I actually had my accounts banned back in the day because I had the nerve to say, masks don't work, you guys. They're lying. Maybe we should, you know, look into this a bit further. After they blocked my accounts, like straight up deleted, not even blocked. They just straight up deleted my shit. Then they came up with a little bit more sneaky approach. They would fuck up the algorithms to make it so your posts or your accounts had a very limited reach. And that shit's still happening 100% to this day. And I've been screaming from the rooftops about this since 2020. And it's just gotten a little bit more sneaky. It's definitely gotten worse. And most people don't even fucking realize it's happening because they don't ever get censored. Why the fuck are, <laughs> why are these intelligence agencies gonna censor some motherfucker that only talks about football or fucking cool clothes and Kim Kardashian's ass? No one gives a fuck about that. That shit is not important. But as soon as you have something that is important, something that other people should know, 
they are going to crush your voice. And they did it to countless people. Back in 2020, there was the great purge of social media accounts where just tens of thousands of accounts were deleted overnight because we were saying shit about Pizzagate. We were saying shit like, hey, Fauci already killed a bunch of people in San Francisco during the AIDS epidemic. Maybe we shouldn't listen to this little bridge troll. But yeah, it's still going on. And the majority of people probably have no fucking clue. So I don't know what, <laughs> what can you do when everybody just wants to be asleep? Nobody wants to face the truth at this fucking dystopian nightmare that's becoming our world. Not just America, the fucking world, Western Europe, the UK, all of the tactics that are being used in these places are extremely similar. And I'm sure these rotten twats are exchanging information with their censorship partners in other governments and the private sector. So these documents just basically confirm what we already knew, but now we have it in black and white. But 100%, I am not expecting anything to change. If, if anything, it's just going to get worse. I don't know if you've tried looking up a controversial subject on the internet lately, but it's all so censored. Most of the shit's been deleted and most people don't have any idea about this. That's why Google's such a fucking hot dumpster fire and I refuse to use it. But most of the other search engines are just as bad. DuckDuckGo is compromised. They sold the fuck out. I like to use Brave, but you know, they can't always get you everything you want to know. Um, so you got to kind of mix it up and try Yandex. I know it's like the Russian one and Russians are bad, but it's not as censored as the search engines in the United States. I'm going to leave a link to this Substack in the show notes because I'm just like scraping the surface here. The whistleblower put out some really good information, shit people <laughs> probably should have already been thinking about. But like I said earlier, now we have it in black and white. Now we know the way these motherfuckers are operating in black and white. And I mean, I'm not expecting the fucking NPCs of the world to see this and be like, oh shit, people really are being censored. They probably won't give a fuck. But if you give a fuck, go ahead and read this shit because it's pretty interesting and it's always good to know the way your enemies work. Moving on to other fucked up shit our governments do. This is from a 2001 article in The Guardian. The title reads, RAF Rainmakers Cause 1952 Flood. So basically what they're saying is August 15th, 1952, one of the worst flash floods ever to have occurred in Britain swept through the Devon village of Linma. 35 people died as a torrent of 90 million tons of water and thousands of tons of rock poured off the saturated Exmoor and into villages destroying homes, bridges, shops, and hotels. Officially, they called this disaster the Hand of God. But evidence from previously classified government files suggests that a team of international scientists working with the RAF was experimenting with artificial rainmaking in southern Britain in this same week and could possibly be implicated. So if you look up this shit on Google, they're going to say it's a crazy conspiracy theory, but it's not. The squadron leader, Lynn Oatley, was working on what was known as Operation Cumulus has told the BBC that they jokingly referred to the rainmaking exercises Operation Witch Doctor. The navigator for that group, Group Captain John Hart, remembers the success in the early experiments. He stated, quote, We flew through the top of the cloud, poured dry ice down into the cloud. We flew down to see if any rain came out of the cloud. 
And it did about 30 minutes later. So they used to do this fucking shit back in Vietnam. They would basically flood out the VC and make it so they couldn't resupply. They couldn't get their troops food. They couldn't really freely move about because it was hardcore rain season, flood season anyway. And you had all these motherfuckers cloud seeding just completely devastating the countryside. So apparently they did this shit in Britain. They're like, fuck it. Let's just see what happens. I don't know if we're going to fucking kill a bunch of people, but yeah, let's try it. This is what I'm talking about when I say these scientists need a motherfucking straitjacket and a shock collar. I just, <laughs> I'm never going to understand these people that are just like, fuck it. I don't care who dies. Let's see if we can fucking blow up this nuclear bomb. You know, that's kind of what happened with the original atomic bombs. They didn't know if that fucking nuclear reaction was going to keep going and destroy the world. But they're like, ah, fuck it. Let's try. So the same thing with this weather manipulation. And think about the last few years of the weather. California was in the craziest, longest drought that I've ever experienced here. And I get it. There are different cycles. There are rainy cycles. There are drought cycles. But the last drought cycle was next fucking level. And now suddenly we're getting hell of rain. We're out of the drought, all that fun shit. But we keep getting hit with atmospheric rivers. So I know there's flooding all over the world going on. And it would not surprise me in the least that these crazy mad scientists are behind at least some of it. Maybe not all, but definitely some of it. They all need to be locked the fuck up and have the key thrown away. It's change of subject time. Now we need to talk about this Sonora Aero Club that got together in California back in the 1800s and apparently made some kind of anti-gravity machine, flying machine. It's, yeah, we'll get there. So if you actually look up, like just straight up type in Sonora Aero Club into any search engine, it'll bring you to a Wikipedia page for the name of a man named Charles Delshaw. And it just kind of basically goes on and talks about his life. He was born in 1830 in Brandenburg, Prussia, and died April 20, 1923 in Houston, Texas. Wikipedia goes on to say that he gained posthumous fame after the discovery of a large scrapbook that contained drawings, collages, and watercolors of airplanes and airships. He's been classified as one of the first visionary artists. So yeah, that is the fucking Wikipedia Google bullshit explanation of the Sonora Aero Club. But we don't give a fuck about bullshit. We're going to talk about what's actually in the newspaper clippings from San Francisco, which is kind of by Sonora back in the day, and even an article that is found in the Library of Congress because they talk about fucking anti-gravity fucking aero machines. And this is like 1800s, you guys. Wright brothers weren't even around then. And a lot of people do believe the Wright brothers got credit for what the Sonora Aero Club actually developed. So sit back and check this shit out. In the 1960s, a house fire in Houston basically led to the discovery of 12 scrapbooks. The scrapbooks depicted a society called the Sonora Aero Club, which most people in the 60s had not ever even heard of it. But if you go back into history and look at different newspaper articles, people back in the day did know about it. It was just kind of lost to history like so many other things. This club had over 60 members, possibly even more. The Sonora Aero Club was a secret society full of some of the most brilliant minds of the time. 
Hermetic Prussian Nationalist Group, of which the Sonora Aero Club was a part. So to dig in and try to figure out what the fuck this group was and what they were doing, you literally have to look through articles from the newspaper in the 18 fucking hundreds. So there were so many sightings of these quote unquote spaceships, airplanes, whatever the fuck you want to call them, anti-gravity flying machines, that it varied widely. There were fishermen that reported seeing these vehicles. There was a colonel who was driving his horse in Lodi, California, and he actually said he interacted with some of these people flying the anti-gravity machine. This next part I'm literally getting from an article that is stored in the Library of Congress. The title of the article is The Secret of Aerial Flight Revealed. In this article, they actually kind of go on to explain what the anti-gravity quote-unquote gas is. So check this shit out. The reporter writes, Necessarily, much of what I write here must be in the words of the gentleman I am interviewing. He describes what he saw when he entered the garden-like enclosure. He said beside the cottage, his attention was arrested by what I took to be a pleasure boat. It was 12 feet long and 5 foot wide, forming a very convenient carriage for half a dozen people. On each side of the body of the boat was a wing-like blade hinged, and over the boat, supporting by six slender rods, was a broad sheet of metal larger than the breadth and length of the boat, and probably a quarter of an inch in thickness, which glittered and glistened with all the hues and tints of the rainbow. But the strangest part of the affair was that the boat was not resting upon the ground, but was attached to it by a couple of stout cords. As I stood there looking at this thing with astonishment depicted on my face, the gentleman approached the boat, which swayed to and fro about three feet from the ground, and placing his hand upon a metal knob just inside the boat's edge, I saw it sink to the earth and rise again to the limit of the ropes. Not a word of explanation was offered to me concerning the queer affair, but... I requested to step inside and I followed into the shed besides a cottage. This shed was basically a workshop. In one corner was a small gasoline engine and a dynamo. Along one side of the long room extended a workbench and shelves. An abundance of tools were present. So as this reporter is checking out the workshop, he sees on the workbench that there is that same metal he saw outside on the quote unquote boat, the one that had like the rainbow glittery exterior. And the reporter asks this man, what is it? And the inventor replies, Radlam, it is metal. I'm not aware that it is obtainable except in Tibet, on the southern slope of the Himalayas near Tirthapuri, and here on the western slope of the coast range. It occurs in soil as telluride, and the metal is procured by thoroughly washing the soil, rejecting all the portions that are not dissolved water, then evaporating the solution. This solid portion remaining in the form of an impalpable powder is subjected to a peculiar process of electrification resulting in the production of what you have now in your hand. It is exceedingly strong, its tensile strength surpassing that of steel. Its iridescence is due to the microscopic wrinkles upon the surface. But that is not all of its characteristics. It possesses the remarkable qualities of being easily rendered apergent. And obviously he's like, what the fuck is apergent? So the inventor replies, apergent. Apergy is a force obtained by blending positive and negative electricity with uthilic, the third element or state of electric energy. And a body charged with this fluid, apergy, is not only unaffected by gravitation, 
it is repelled from the earth with the same or greater force than that with which it formerly was attracted. So that if this body is liberated, it will move away into space. So that's just kind of describing and explaining how the fuck they get this anti-gravity shit to work. So now I'm just going to tell you about some of the reports you can find in newspapers from the 1800s, like late 1800s. So check this shit out, you guys. Oh, and side note, I will also leave a link to the Library of Congress where this newspaper article can be found because it goes way the fuck deeper than anything I just said about it. But yeah, anyway, let's get to these eyewitness accounts of these quote-unquote anti-gravity arrow, space, planes, whatever the fuck you want to call it. This article I am finding from the San Francisco Call, and it's dated Thursday, December 3rd, 1896. The title is, The Airship Described by Fishermen. goes on to say, according to the testimony of two fishermen of Pacific Grove, Monterey County, an airship landed on the beach yesterday about 15 miles north of the place they had been having a conversation with and dined with the aeronauts. So they're basically saying these fucking fishermen happened to see this shit land and the people came out of there. They fucking talked to them. They dined with them. And then I guess contacted the San Francisco call. The fishermen described the airship which they say they viewed from a distance of 50 yards and asserted that it was about 60 feet long and made of metal. According to the correspondent, a.k.a. reporter for the call, they say that these two fishermen have a good reputation of being truthful and responsible. So check this out. The reporter just basically says these two guys are out there fishing and they were completely terrorized by seeing an object descending from the heavens, which to their terror-stricken imagination seemed to be falling directly upon their boat. When the object had fallen within some few hundred yards of the water, it floated easily and at a moderate speed until it landed on a sandy beach. The airship, for such it proved to be, seemed to be under the perfect control of its occupants. Three people. Immediately on landing, they alighted and picking up their ship, carried it back from the beach into the woods. As soon as the two fishermen had recovered from their astonishment, they drew in their nets and attempted to make a landing. And after several unsuccessful attempts to get through the surf, which was very rough, a landing was made. During this time, the persons who had so strangely appeared upon the scene were watching the actions of the fishermen. And upon seeing the signs of the successful landing, one of the party advanced to meet them and warn them away from the spot where the ship was concealed. So one of these fishermen was basically like, fuck that, let's talk about what the fuck we just saw here, and kind of engaged these people in conversation with the intention of learning as much as possible concerning the strange visitor. At first, the man who had met them at the water's edge refused to answer any questions or allow the two fishermen to proceed further toward the spot where the ship was located, threatening to use force if necessary to prevent their in doing so. But finally seeing that these fishermen were not about to take no for a fucking answer, he decided to, I guess, tell them exactly what was kind of going on here. One of these little astronaut dudes walks back to his other two companions and basically says, look, these fishermen fools, they're not going away. We need to go talk to them. So they all came back out from the woods about 15 minutes later. Upon their arrival at the edge of the woods, they were met by an entire party, one who appeared to be the leader courteously bade them good morning and said, I suppose your curiosity has been aroused by a rather unusual mode of traveling. I'm not yet ready to make my discovery known to the public, 
but hope to be able to do so soon as some slight changes are made in its construction. Until such time, I must refuse to allow anyone near for closer inspection. You are welcome to get a view of the ship as long as you can from a distance, but any attempt at closer inspection will be met with forcible resistance. The quote-unquote astronauts, aeronauts, said that there were some issues with the ship. They were trying to repair that. So while some of them were trying to repair the ship, others were preparing a meal because they brought provisions with them. Smart fucking move. It's not like they could just fucking swing into Taco Bell or some shit. The two fishermen were invited to join these people as they ate. Apparently, after eating and hanging out with the aeronauts, the two fishermen are like, okay, well, we got to get the fuck home now, considering we're in some fucking rickety ass boat and we're not trying to sail in the ocean at night. The captain of the spaceship was like, no, why don't you guys chill for a bit? Let's hang out. The fishermen were distracted long enough for the repairs to be made on this ship. And they kind of think that's what the captain was doing, distracting them long enough so this shit could get repaired and they wouldn't have enough time to sail back to where their city is, tell anyone and have these people coming after them. So there are multiple, multiple accounts very similar to this. There was a report from five men near Tular Lake who witnessed something almost identical. There are hell of newspaper articles that you can find if you search hard enough. I've seen about seven or eight and they're all different people that are literally describing the same shit. And it's all in the same area of California. And apparently we had fucking technology for anti-gravity back in the day, but now we're just using some fucking slow ass jets. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're not. Maybe that's what uh, all this UAP shit is, is just actually the anti-gravity technology that we've apparently had for thousands of years. If you guys want to kind of dive deeper into the Sonora Aero Club, check out a writer named Walter Bosley, who's basically done a hell of research. He's been on different podcasts, basically talking about the shit he's found out. And it's pretty fucking mind-blowing to think that back in the day we had this type of technology, but... Either A, the government isn't sharing that with us or people are just fucking too stupid now to, <laughs> to replicate the technology. But these were just some motherfuckers in late 1800s, Gold Rush, California, developing fucking anti-gravity vehicles. It kind of makes you wonder if the government got a hold of this technology, you know, back in the day, what have those psychopaths done with it now? Hmm... I'm sure nothing fucking good. That's fucking, <laughs> that's probably for sure. <laughs> like I said earlier, I'm going to leave links in the show notes if you want to go check out the articles at the Library of Congress. It's fucking amazing. It's definitely worth it. Um, and search on the internet for the Sonora Arrow Club. The problem with that is you're going to get a lot of fucking Wikipedia nonsense. But if you type in the San Francisco Call and the Sonora Arrow Group, you might find some good shit because that's how I found a lot of it. All right, before we get out of here, we got to talk about that fucking Brit who's fucked over 100 corpses. Check this shit out. Next level. I found this article on the APnews.com. The title reads, British Inquiry finds serious failings at hospitals where worker had sex with more than 100 corpses. So apparently on Tuesday, the British government said it found serious failings at the hospital. And for over 15 years, this motherfucker was fucking corpses. The guy's name is David Fuller. And apparently his necrophilia was uncovered in 2020 when police used DNA to tie him to the 1987 slaying of two women and also discovered millions of images of sexual abuse in his home. The images included videos of him having sex with the dead bodies of women and girls 
in the mortuaries at two hospitals where he worked in Southeast England. Hmm. <laughs> the inquiry said, quote, the offenses that David Fuller committed were truly shocking. However, the failures of management, governance, and regulations and processes and a persistent lack of curiosity all contribute to the creation of the environment in which he was able to offend. Fuller is 69 years old and is serving a life sentence with no chance of release after pleading guilty to two counts of murder. He's serving a concurrent 12-year term after admitting dozens of instances of necrophilia that the prosecutor in the case said had never been seen on that scale before in a British court. What the actual fuck? And I guarantee you, if this guy is fucking 100 corpses and murdered a couple women, I don't know, in the 80s, this fool probably has more murders under his belt. Unfortunately, back in the day, DNA was not a thing, so a lot of the evidence had been destroyed. It wasn't even collected because they didn't know to collect it. But I'm fucking positive this fool killed before. So apparently this fucker was actually having sex with corpses during working hours when other employees were in the mortuary. Like what the fuck? The inquiry said it could not be determined how he had been able to carry out the abuse during working hours without being caught. Hmm. This fuller guy basically did maintenance on the refrigeration system in the mortuary and routinely entered the department as many as 444 times in one year without being properly questioned. Fuller said he selected his victims by viewing a logbook. Oh my God, these motherfuckers. I swear to God. You know how fucking heated I would be if I found out some fucking, I don't know, rapist murderer was in fucking my dead relative? Yeah, I would say uh, all your little precautions at the British hospital failed. Hardcore fail. But yeah, I just thought I would uh, <laughs> brighten up your day with that fucked up story. All right, you guys, that's about it for this week. Before I get out of here, I have to say what's up to our top three downloading states. We have California in first place, Washington in second, and Michigan in third. That's what's up, you guys. I appreciate you listening every week. Hit me up at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com if you want any of the documents I talk about or if you have a rabbit hole I should check out. As far as our international downloaders, we have the UK, Australia, Hong Kong, and Ireland. That's what's up, you guys. Come say hi over on my Reddit sub, which is r slash vanishedinthevalley. So until next week, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.